This is Suzanne York from Humans Optimized. We believe that advances in technology, coupled with elevated human skills, create immense opportunity in the future of work. Now, with the upheaval of COVID-19, our future has quickly become today's reality. Through the uncertainty, fear, and concern of the pandemic, we find stories of human resilience, innovation, and hope. Join us as we share our experiences, discuss what may be ahead, and explore together how we can come back stronger than we were before. From Fortune 500 to mid-sized companies, small businesses and solopreneurs, everyone has needed to adjust their focus, ways of working, and perspective during COVID-19. Today, I'm talking with Sarah Scala, founder and principal consultant at Sarah Scala Consulting, who has been working with her clients to refocus their initiatives and to more effectively navigate this time of uncertainty. Sarah, welcome, and thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Well, I'm very grateful that you're on this call with me, um, mostly because it's a reflection of how much support you've given me over the past few years as I've launched Humans Optimized. So I'd love to have an opportunity to learn more and share about your journey as a consultant. That sounds great. So I launched my company about seven years ago serving as a coach, consultant, and educator. And I provide organization and leadership development, executive coaching, change management, public speaking, and team development solutions, supporting clients, US-based and global, across different cultures, generations, geographies, and pretty diverse industries. Oh, wow. That's actually an an amazing set of of things that you do. And I can't imagine that it has stayed the same through through COVID-19. But tell me more about, um, about your background. My background, I have run consulting firms and organization departments for other companies. And I have degrees in organization development and in adult learning. I also have bachelor's degrees in business management and in adventure recreation. So I think it definitely brings some different skills and competencies to the work that I do today. Totally. Okay. I have to ask adventure recreation. Tell me more. (laughs) Yep. So I went to college at Green Mountain College in Vermont that had an exceptional adventure recreation program. And through that program, we studied and learned about leadership development, corporate team building, budgeting, finance for recreation programs, and how to bring change to organizations. That's fascinating. Okay, we're going to have to talk more about that offline unless there's more you want to share now. But that's, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing about that since that was a piece of your background I didn't know until this conversation. Yep. I've been passionate about the outdoors since I was a very small child. I love kayaking, biking, hiking, camping skiing. And I'm just at my best, I think. I feel my best when I'm playing outside. Oh, wow. I bet. And I bet your clients can see that too. And there's a multitude of opportunities to get people to engage with um, each other as well when it comes to bringing them outside. Uh, So that's really fun. Thank you. So what um, has the past couple of weeks been like for you? It's, it's definitely created a need for immediate shifts in how we work and live. I know you're a speaker, and from everything else that you've talked about, most of your work is likely done in person. And so I'm curious to understand more about how you've quickly adapted to virtual engagements and working with your clients in a, in a really new capacity. And I know you've also been concerned about your own family. So would love to better understand what the past couple of weeks have been like for you. 
Thank you. When I first learned about COVID-19, it was back in mid-January. My partner has immune deficiencies, and since late January, it became very urgent and important that I not be exposed to other people where I could get sick and bring it home. So I moved all of my work, my public speaking engagements, leadership facilitation, um, coaching, all virtual. All of my coaching was currently virtually on Zoom anyways, because I have clients in over 11 states and in four countries. But the facilitation and speaking piece had had to transform and flip almost on a dime. So I had to modify, you know, the curriculum, the expectations, the agendas, because I really wanted to make sure that what I was providing was really high quality and highly interactive. So using breakout rooms, having discussions, polls, chats, things like that, as far as at work, outside of work, I really felt the pull to get back to my community almost right away when my neighborhood and and people where I live in Boston were advised to socially distant or be distant. The first thing I thought of was to make Pizel Italian cookies for my neighbors. And these, these cook two at a time in a press. You know, I made 10 or 12 batches, dropped them on neighbors' doorsteps. And taking the time to make these cookies is special to me because it gave me a feeling of a sense of calm and control. But since I was a teenager, I've been making these cookies on the press with my Nana for holiday gifts. And it just seemed like something I could do and give back and have control over. And the neighbors were very thankful. Oh, I can imagine. It makes me wish I lived closer to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I'm interested in hearing from, since you were a little bit earlier than the rest of us in figuring out we needed to go virtual, what was it like when you approached your clients to say, hey, I can still deliver great work um, virtually? Great question, Suzanne. I was I feel really grateful that the majority of the projects I had for the first quarter and even through April were already booked, contracted, and paid for. So I had some clients that said, you know, we need to change the date a week or two till we figure out what's going on. And others just kept moving as scheduled. So that was a definite benefit that I'm that I'm very thankful for. And just helping them to to understand the severity of this COVID-19, even early on before I think we realized how important it was to try to keep employees safe. Hmm. Was there any resistance to changing platforms? There was a little bit of resistance. I remember I, you know, I had projects down on the Cape and, and in Boston, and I had clients that would say, well, the governor says meetings of 50 or less, and we have 48 people signed up. <laughs> or you know, as it, as it got smaller, 10 or less, well, we only have 10 people. Well, yeah, but then you put me in the room and you put the executive, and now we're over the limit. And so there was some of that um, negotiation. And I just had to stay true to convincing the client that I could still deliver virtually and that it would be in everyone's best interest, not just mine. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure as soon as they experienced it, they were convinced. And usually the the initial um, thought about such a dramatic change is more the issue than the change itself. (laughs) Yeah. And it's been interesting because 
the leadership programs that I've been delivering virtually, the public speaking events, I'm finding people are even more engaged now because they're so used to being alone or being at home and to have the ability to connect with their peers or with their coworkers in a safe virtual space in a way that's facilitated professionally. I've just received so much gratitude from the participants, which has been really exciting. Oh, wow. That's, that's a piece that I hadn't considered uh, would happen as quickly as it has. Um, so you've set the tone, you've set the bar and the example for people. So I'm sure that that has been helpful because they then eventually needed to make the same transition that you had seen early on. Yeah. Yep. Well, we can talk about it a little later, but I'd love to to talk with you and reflect on what do we think will be different when we are able to come back together, but may still rely on uh, the, the virtual options. So. Definitely. My preference, for sure, my preference is always in person. However, it's important that we're able to transition and navigate to this new way of, of still working and serving those organizations. Well, and considering that you are in, have clients in multiple states and globally, it really does open up the possibilities to increase, increase our reach, too. Totally. Yeah, so it'd be fascinating to see. But well, we've talked about the need to change as quickly as we did uh, in, in a realm where most people were thinking, "Oh, you know, I don't know if we'll ever get need to get there." And so the reality of the situation understandably creates a sense of fear and concern surrounding this time. For me, when I think about COVID-19, it amplifies the natural human response to change. And that's been at the center of many conversations over the recent years anyway, as we've seen the rate and pace of change continue to increase. So in response to the ongoing degree of change, even before COVID-19, there are concepts from the field of, of positive psychology that have helped people become more adaptable. For me, I often use appreciative inquiry. And that's the, the, a way to get them to look at the possibilities instead of focusing on troubleshooting the problems. And being in a place of um, optimism really dislodges some of the, um, the challenges that they have and the things that are holding them back. So that's one area of appreciative inquiry that I have found to be useful. And so I'm curious um, for you, I know that you rely on a number of other great tools from positive psychology. So what have you found to be helpful as you work with your clients either before now or through this time? Thanks for asking. I've been teaching, coaching, and speaking about optimism, resilience, and grit for a number of years. People are always thankful when they learn that these skills can be developed at any time and are not necessarily that difficult as long as you're willing to practice. For example, let's talk about optimism. Optimism is the belief that things are going to work out for the best. And some simple ways to practice optimism are to practice gratitude, to smile more, or to exercise, or to be open with sharing your story. When it comes to resilience, which is the capacity to withstand stress and catastrophe, or to bounce back, some great ways to build resilience are to accept that change is part of living. Try to make movement towards your goals. Make decisive action. Nurture a positive view of yourself. And keep things in perspective. Those are some great ways to build your resilience. And then when we talk about grit, which is a much more long-term focus on goals, otherwise defined as passion and perseverance, or a marathon versus a sprint, some great ways to build grit are to be meaningfully 
interested in something you want to learn, investing in deliberate practice, and also asking for support. Oh, all right. So this feels like a great set of tools for a toolbox or even a journey, which we are all on. So I, And there's a ton here to unpack. So I'm hoping we could go one by one and talk about each of the three pillars a little more deeply. I would love to. Awesome. Well, let's start with optimism. To me, when I think of optimism, I think of, oh, that person's really optimistic. Or perhaps you know people who might be slightly more pessimistic. So what I heard in your explanation is that optimism is, is not a fixed mindset. Um, is, is, is that how you think about it? Or what are, what are ways that we can talk about optimism in a, in a way that can give us a chance to grow it or develop it? So with optimism, I believe that it's a mindset. We can't be optimistic or 100% on 100% of the time because we need downtime. We need to rejuvenate. We need to refresh ourselves. But if we can keep the mindset overall that things are going to work out for the best, I find that it's a more positive way to look at the world, even today with the pandemic. I've done a lot of work in the CBT arena, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, um, from a mindset standpoint. When when I think about mindset, it first starts with recognizing what are your thoughts before you can even change them. For for clients, do you ever talk about you know if it's a mindset, how do you help them navigate their ownership or the power to change their minds? So with my clients, especially when I'm doing one-on-one coaching, I may start the session by asking, where are you at right now? Where are you coming from? And is that where you want to be? And if it's not where you want to be mentally, emotionally, what are some things that you can do right away to help you transition or, or flip the switch to being in a place of more positivity? And sometimes they don't even realize that they're in maybe a negative mindset or a downward spiral unless you simply ask them. I think that's a great point. Self-awareness is really key to the ability to understand what are your thoughts and therefore how do you want to change them. And, and it's funny, even the days when I think I'm, I'm self-aware, there are moments when I do need to stop and take a, an inventory of what my thoughts are and what's happening, and whether that's sitting and journaling or processing out loud with someone who's willing to hear my messy thoughts. Um, and so cultivating that self-awareness to know what are the words I'm using within my own head and are they helpful? Are they useful? Are they moving me forward? And are they words I would use with someone else? Because um, sometimes we say things inside our own head that, that are not ones that we would actually use in talking with others. Yes, I would completely agree. Checking in with oneself is extremely important. And what I've done as my self-awareness continues to increase, I also teach emotional intelligence. So this is something I work on developing quite often, is when I'm feeling things are not optimistic or great, checking in with myself about what's bringing up these feelings or these, this view of the world. And sometimes just labeling it, I find to be really helpful as well. Mm, That's a great point. And no matter how self-aware we are, we're in the middle of a time of uncertainty that brings up different reactions that may be even surprising to ourselves. So it's an incredible moment to continue to go deep on what is happening around me, what are my thoughts about that, and how is it causing me to feel or to show up? Yeah. And I think journaling daily 
is incredibly helpful. I do gratitude journaling every morning where I write four or five things that I'm thankful for. And that really helps to set the tone for the day. But even if, you know, you're, you're having emotions that you're not thrilled about, taking a pause to reflect or get some fresh air or write down how you're feeling is also can be helpful. I like the idea of the gratitude practice because that does at least inject words into your thoughts that you might not have um, already been entertaining. Yeah. Anything else on optimism before we go to resilience? There was a lot in packed into into your overview statement. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about optimism. So resilience. This is a topic that some people might be really familiar with and might be somewhat new to others. Let's go a little deeper on that one too. Sure. So this resilience, the way I look at it, is our ability to bounce back. And we can't bounce back every, well, mostly we can't bounce back every second of every day. But when we face challenges, and these can be small challenges that happen in our day or major challenges in our life with our family or at work, thinking about ways we can focus on bouncing back that puts us back in a, in a good place, in a place of positivity can be really helpful. And you talked about the small ways too. Like our days are filled with, well, this is not a very optimistic statement, but our days are filled with with minor disappointments at times. We have certain expectations um, that don't come to pass. And so do you see resilience in big and small ways? I certainly do. And I, I think, you know, one of the best ways that we can shift is to take a decisive action. So make a decision, put yourself back in control of a piece or a part of the situation that's causing you to to feel down or to feel negative and take a decisive action. Could be a small action, but I think having the control and the ability to do something often brings power and positivity to the situation. I can see that even in, in my own ways of reacting, especially during this time. You know, when I've been getting caught up in my thoughts, to get myself out of that, I need to put my body in motion. Um, and so I like what you're saying about it does nothing needs to be perfect for it to progress. So take a step, even if it's just the next right step. Oh, I feel like I'm watching the movie Frozen, by the way. But go ahead. <laughs> awesome. And nice. So what about what do your clients when you come in and say, I'm gonna talk about resilience, what's their immediate reaction to that concept? What's their basis of understanding of that? So often clients will bring me in to do workshops or build learning programs around optimism, resilience, and grit when they're going through a big change. Maybe their organization is being acquired or divested. Maybe they're launching a new division of the company, or maybe they're having a cut back. It's very easy in business. Maybe easy is not the right word, but typically the focus on major organizational change is the finance, the logistics, and the technology. And many times, how change affects the employees or the people is usually a second thought. And so often I'm brought in to design custom learning that helps leaders or employees focus on optimism, resilience, and grit so that they can see a place of possibility as they navigate their organizational changes. So when it comes to resilience, typically I don't just speak on one. Usually it's a package of all three and one builds on the other. So resilience builds on the optimism and grit tends to build on both resilience and optimism. 
Well, that's a really helpful overview when it comes to changes that are instigated by something that do require humans to to do things differently. Um, mm-hmm. This is the, to me, <laughs> this moment in time is kind of an ultimate example of transformation. Do you think your conversations with clients will be different coming out of this? Like, in other words, hey, you now have an example of how you came back from a, a tough time. Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at the research on resilience, one of the best ways to build resilience that I didn't mention is to focus on past successes over similar challenges, to look back on those past stories, those past strategies, those past ways that, hey, this has happened before. How did we do it the last time? And some of that goes to appreciative inquiry, like you mentioned before, but looking back on past successes and pulling from those is um is very important as well. Well, and that's actually a, a large um, instigator for me on this podcast is I kept seeing people say, hey, humans, we come back. We come back better than we were before when we have tragedies like this. Mm-hmm. And we may not have a pandemic to point to in our recent experience, but I was really struck by those um, statements and saying, okay, I'm bought in, but how? You know, show me the concrete ways that people leveraged a time like this to come back stronger. So that really was kind of the spirit of the podcast um, as a series. That's awesome. And very important, especially today. Yeah. Well, there were a few other concrete examples you gave in resilience. So what could people do to help them bounce back from either the the minor set? Well, I shouldn't say minor because everything's all relative, but the, the day-to-day living that they might have right now, as well as the, the kind of macro resilience we'll need to have to get through this. Yeah. So I think maintaining a hopeful outlook, whatever's going on, you know, practicing gratitude. And as you wake up in the morning, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed in a time like a pandemic. Many people have lost their jobs. They're looking for how they can make income to support their family or those who are able to work remotely from home that haven't done that before are really having to adjust in a in a completely new environment. So I think, you know, every day to wake up to say, all right, the roof's over my head. I have some food in the fridge. We have still have electricity and power. The internet's still working. I think even to just ha- just practice gratitude on those basic things, Suzanne, like there's a significant percentage of people in the world where that's not true. Where hunger is strong, where homelessness is strong, where we have very advanced technologies and systems, logistics here in the United States and in first world countries where many other parts of the world don't have that. So I find, especially as I practice gratitude to remind myself of everything I do have, even when I need to build resilience focused on overcoming deficits or, or things that aren't working out. I'm in a much stronger place than many, many, many people in the world just because of resources and people in my life. So looking back at that, maintaining that hopeful outlook and knowing that this pandemic will not last forever. Lots Mm -hmm. and lots and lots of really smart people are working on helping our country and others to overcome this illness so that we can be stronger. Oh, that's really inspirational and helpful as we think about the the moments where, regardless of what we do have, there are there are understandably moments when it this is not easy. It's not. Um, we easy. didn't. Yeah, we didn't ask for this. We aren't in control of it. 
Um, and so you've given us some really great ways to to shift our mindset. And and I also like the advice you gave to say, get up and move, put your body in motion, yep. do something. So between the mindset and the action, I think that that's really helpful for people to keep in mind. Yeah. And even if you just need a 10 minute break and you could do 10 minute walk through your neighborhood with your mask on or you know, whatever equipment that you feel is important for leaving your house. We've seen many neighbors sitting out on their porch that are just grateful to see another person, you know, reconnecting with those in your neighborhood or texting people who may be single or elderly or alone just to check in. There's a lot of little things that we can do to help ourselves and others move through this this change. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And in New England, the weather's starting to warm up. I could use 10 degrees more, but yep, we're starting to get too. a little warmer. And that goes back to your love of the outdoors. I'm sure you're anxious to get back outside more often too. Oh, of course. So now tell us about grit. That word says a lot. <laughs> Grit certainly says, says a lot. So grit is the per, passion and perseverance for long-term goals. And um, a good metaphor for this is looking at grit like a marathon versus a sprint. The research behind grit um, has come from Angela Duckworth and her research, but also Dr. Martin Seligman, the founder of Positive Psychology, did a 10-year study with the United States military to find out what was that one skill behavior competency that set excellent versus exceptional performance and grit was found to be that. So very long-term focus. And uh, it's important to be building grit. And the really fascinating thing, Suzanne, is that kids even even in elementary school, are now being taught about grit because it's now seen as one of these essential skills and competencies for today and for the future. So that's really positive. That's incredibly positive. I love the messaging that our kids are getting that that just weren't around 20, well, maybe more than 20 years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> um, everything from the growth mindset to this idea of grit. Um, I think they're really well positioned to, to, to have some tools that will carry them forward, um, regardless of this moment in time, but will carry them forward well. I completely agree. Um, so, oh, go ahead. I'm um, it's wonderful to see and learn about how little kids are, are learning this and applying it. Yeah, that's excellent. Are there tools within GRIT or specific things that you would recommend we do to cultivate it? So going to that growth mindset that you mentioned, um, that's, that's work from, from Carol Dweck. And a growth mindset is one that says, I am always needing and going to learn. And having that mindset that we're never done learning and being hungry to keep developing skills is actually one way to build grit. Also, showing interest in something that you want to learn is really important because if you're not interested in it, you're not going to be willing to put in the 10,000 or so hours needed to become a master at a particular skill. The funny thing or the interesting thing I find when you look at the research on grit is one of the best ways to build it is to ask for support. So here we have the research from the military that's saying the very top exceptional performers have a high level of grit and one of the best ways to build it is to ask for help. So thinking about who might know more or be able to give you tips or 
ideas or feedback, who is in your network, who could be a mentor or a peer mentor is really critical to building grit. Well, I really like that. It's, it almost sounds somewhat paradoxical. Like you'd think that grit might come from sheer, you know, muscling through a problem on your own. Yeah. But I like the idea that instead it's about seeking um, others and, and reaching out, which is also a great theme for this time. Completely. So th- I had thought about that. And I'm impressed by the amount of content that's available these days. Um, and so if you can articulate your passion and follow it, there's just a multitude of resources out there, not only you know online content, but like you said, people who are putting themselves out there and having conversations and giving very um, generously of their ideas and their time. Yeah, I mean, there's positive psychology. There's people that write blogs like myself that are putting YouTube videos that are publishing articles or just, you know, people in your neighborhood that have a skill or ability that you notice that you like to develop. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. I also think we should be more than willing to to give help and look for ways we can help others. And when it comes to building grit, Again, asking for that support. It doesn't have to be huge things or huge amount of time, but looking for those resources that are in your communities. And And being one. Yeah, Yeah, and being one. I love that. That's such a great call to action. So, well, thank you for running through those three pillars. Anything more on that before we go to our um, looking ahead conversation? I think I think we're I think that's some pretty good nuggets for folks to yeah, start with. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and they can certainly find more by reaching out, which will give them your contact information too. So So a lot has changed. We've learned a lot in a short amount of time. When you look ahead to either the coming months or a year or two from now, what do you hope will be different as a result of having gone through this experience? I hope people practice even more kindness more kindness Mm. to each other, more kindness for maybe people they didn't know or may not have liked before. Everybody needs kindness. And also for businesses and organizations to practice more flexibility. I don't think when people go back to work or go back to their workplaces that it's going to be a flipping of a switch. I think it's going to be Um, a process. It's going to take time. Working from home may now finally be an approved way for organizations that didn't support it in the past to jump on board as a great way to support flexibility with their employees. So I think more kindness, more flexibility, and looking for ways you can give back and supporting others, continuing to do that. And like, like I said in the beginning, you know, usually my gives backs are that I speak at conferences and I do coaching and I'm speaking at public events. Now I'm baking cookies and doing <laughs> podcasts and, you know, right? we, have to, we have to look for these little nuggets because one of the best ways to help you feel better is to help someone else. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, you have given us so much to think about when it comes to what we can do today so that we really do come back stronger than before. Is there anything else you wanted to add to your already great list of suggestions that you've given? I think those are pretty good. Those and try to get some fresh air as much as you can, even if it's just stepping right outside your house. Fresh air is, Uh is important. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, I can't thank you for the generosity of your time and your talents. And I want to make sure that people can reach out to you if they have more questions or want to engage with you. So what's the best way that they can connect with you or learn about the work that you do? 
So check out my website at sarahscala.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-S-C-A-L-A. I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Medium, and I write and do videos and, and share blogs and great content in those vehicles. So You really do. I've enjoyed following you not only in person when I get to see you, but also through social media. I've been inspired every time I see one of your posts and anxious to read your nuggets of, of wisdom. Thank you. So thank you for continuing to be an inspiration for our community. And I can't wait to carry on the conversation offline. I've learned so much just in talking with you more. Well, thanks again, Suzanne. All the best to you and everyone else as we move forward. Absolutely. With much appreciation. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to share your stories to help all of us come back stronger than we were before. For more information and to contact us, visit www.humansoptimized.com.